Well, hey church, we're about to get started with our uh, time in God's Word, but I first wanted to bring a special announcement to you. Uh, I'm really excited to share this news. As you know, it's been a crazy time uh, in our community, in our world with the coronavirus going around, and, and we've been talking as a staff and trying to figure out how, how can we bless our community in a really tangible way. And the idea came up recently as we were planning for Easter. Uh, what if we, we did something to impact the community in a really profound way financially. And we, we got wind or we heard about uh, this need in the Benicia Unified School District. There are 278 students that have a school lunch debt, uh, meaning they, they couldn't afford to buy their lunch or their breakfast or whatever at school, but the school didn't want them to go hungry, and so they provided them food, but it opened up a tab of sorts that, that eventually these families uh, would have to find a way to pay back the school for the lunches that they received. And so we thought, well, how much debt is there? What if we paid off that debt? And it turns out that there's over $2,000 in debt, $2,085 total in debt. So some students, it was relatively small, but there were some students and families where that debt was significant. And, and so we said, you know what? Uh, as a church, we want to pay that debt. And so we took a check over this week for over $2,000 and paid off all the debt for every student in the whole Benicia Unified School District that had debt so that now those families are notified that hey your debt has been paid by this church and we just let them know hey we love you Jesus loves you and so we wanted to bless you right now one less thing for you to worry about so I was so excited about that that we did that church and I wanted just to announce that and celebrate that with you and also say thank you because that sort of generosity is only possible because of your generosity because of how you have faithfully been giving to this church so that we can have an impact in our community. So uh, thank you, and I'm so glad that we could make that kind of sort of gesture in our community. Uh, with that being said, I also realize that, that this is a hard time for some of you as well. And as we're trying to take care of those in our community outside our church walls, there might be some of you within our church walls, so to speak, uh, that are coming upon some difficult times. And I just wanted you to know that as your, uh, one of your pastors, as church staff, we, we want to be here for you. We want to hear how we can help you and respond to needs that you have. We have our uh, coronavirus needs and help form here linked uh, at the top right of your screen. You can fill that out. Let us know what needs come up. Let us know how we can serve you. We know times are hard and we want to care uh, for, <clears throat> for you as well, as well as our greater community. I also want to remind you again, this is an opportunity to give online. So at the top right of your screen, there's a, a giving link where you can continue to give. You can also mail checks to the church if you'd like to give that way just to continue <clears throat> the ministry of this church. Again, I do want to make clear, though, that, hey, I know some of us have lost jobs. I know times are hard. And so I don't want you to feel any pressure from me, any sort of expectation to con <clears throat> to give in a certain way. That's completely between you and God, uh, God will take care of our church, and uh, we, we are doing well. So I invite you to give, encourage you to give, but also know that it's going to look different for everybody, uh, especially right now. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for tuning in. And also, uh, hey, if you're, if you're new, please don't feel any obligation to give. We're just glad that you're here. So we don't, we don't want your money. We just want you to be here. And so thanks for being here, and feel no pressure to give at all. Uh, let's go now and spend some time in God's Word, all right?
Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome. Happy Easter. I am so glad that you've joined us to celebrate the resurrection here this Sunday morning. Thank you for tuning in from the comfort of your living room. Again, this is an Easter that we're probably never going to forget because we're not in the same room, although I wish I could be seeing you in person. I'm glad that you've tuned in online. I got the sport coat on to make it uh, you know, dress up a little bit for Easter, but uh, I may or may not be wearing shoes. I may be wearing slippers in the house. I don't know, but it's a special Easter, and I'm glad that you're here. Uh, my name's Matt, and I'm one of the pastors at FBC, and I just want to welcome you and say, especially if you're new, especially if you just came across this link randomly, or if you haven't been to church before, uh, thank you for joining us and tuning in to, to celebrate Easter with us. We are glad that you are here. Uh, we're going to start our morning with a brief word of prayer. So would you join me? Father, we, we love you and we look to you to say uh, thank you for the joy and the hope that Easter brings. The resurrection of your son, Jesus. Uh, Jesus, you are our Lord and King and we just pray that you'd help us know you more today. Would you fill our hearts with your hope and your joy this Easter? Would you teach us in this time? We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, I don't know about you, but one of the things that the coronavirus situation has been teaching me is that I need to change. I need to change. I've seen some difficult things come up out of my heart because things have been hard right now. Right, our, our normal rhythms have been disrupted. I've found myself growing impatient. And I know some of us are out there and are like, look at all this extra time we have. We're working from home. Or what are all the new hobbies we could take up? But, but I'm over here just trying not to commit a crime sometimes, okay? Because uh, we have little kids and I've found myself uh, being short with them or impatient with my wife or lacking compassion and I've, I've dealt with worry and fear more than I would like to admit and sometimes what we do with those things that come up out of our hearts is we try to explain them away right we're like oh well, that's not really me uh, that's only happening because I'm stressed or or angry or, or you know the normal rhythms of life are disrupted and we're living through a pandemic so of course I'm gonna act a little bit short I'm just stressed or worried or or stir crazy but but that's not really who I am. Right? That's not really me. But I would challenge that assumption. American novelist James Lane Allen wrote these words, adversity doesn't just build character, it reveals it. Adversity doesn't build character, it reveals character. In other words, when the pressure is turned up in our lives, that's when we really see who we are. Our character, our hearts are really on display, not when things are comfortable or easy, because anybody could be calm in those circumstances. No, our, our true hearts are revealed in adversity, in difficult circumstances. And so maybe you're like me right now, and you're taking a look at your own heart, and you're seeing some things come, out, come up out of your heart that are not so pretty. You're more selfish than you thought you were. You're, you're facing an unknown future and it's harder than you thought that would be. And it makes you wonder, as I've wondered, is, is it possible for me to change? Is this just who I am or is there hope for me? 
hope that I could grow, that I could become a better person, that I could be maybe more the person that God wants me to be? Or is hope for change unrealistic? Maybe some of us have given up hope that we could change or be different a long time ago. Some people will say that, you know, people don't really change. Sure, maybe some superficial adjustments can be made in your life, but who you really are won't ever change. Well, if that's you and you're wondering about those questions, you're in the perfect place this morning. Because Easter is all about the resurrection of Jesus and the hope of transformation. Uh, the hope that we can change, that God can change us, and that God can transform his world. If you have a Bible, would you open it with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 1, or you can find it, again, in the, next to the little chat box, there's a little Bible icon that you could read along there with us, or if you have a hard copy, that's great too. We're going to be reading from the book of uh, Galatians as we, again, celebrate that first Easter over 2,000 years ago, uh, where Jesus of Nazareth came on the scene, and he was a prophet, a miracle worker, but he went to his death, not because he was just some other prophet, because he was claiming to be God himself. He was claiming to have the authority to forgive sins. He was claiming to be the king of the world. And so he was crucified by the religious leaders of his day on Good Friday and placed in a tomb. But then that first Easter Sunday, early Sunday morning, a couple of women went to his tomb and a, couple, and a little bit later disciples of his followed and they found something that they were not at all expecting. They found an empty tomb and a message from God he is not here. He has risen, just as he said he would. So his first followers encountered Jesus alive after his death. He was resurrected. And the Jesus movement then exploded and spread throughout the ancient world as this message of hope was shared. And so what I want to do uh, together this morning is, is look at the life of of one of those early followers of Jesus and see the impact that the risen Jesus had in his life. And that's the Apostle Paul. Maybe you've heard that name before. Paul was one of the most important names in the story of Christianity. He went around proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. He went around planting churches. He wrote almost half of the New Testament. And uh, what we've been doing as a church for a little while now is we've been uh, reading and studying the book of Galatians, which is one of Paul's letters in the first century to various churches. And actually the next section we were planning to look at in Galatians is a perfect fit for Easter Sunday. It zooms in on Paul's life and it shows us the impact that the risen Jesus had on him. Let's take a look together this morning at Galatians 1 verse 13 and we're going to see that Paul wasn't always so convinced about Jesus. Galatians 1 verse 13 says this, 
he's writing to his churches, for, for you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So Paul writes this letter to churches in the first century, trying to remind them of, of really his, his credentials. Uh, and he starts by saying, uh, with a reminder, he starts with a reminder of who he used to be. Before Jesus called him, verse 13, he says, remember my previous way of life in Judaism. See, Paul was a devout Jew. He was actually a member of the Pharisees. Now, if you've heard of the Pharisees or maybe read a little bit of the New Testament, then you know that the Pharisees weren't exactly the good guys in the story. Okay, Most of the time that we read about the Pharisees, they're in direct conflict with Jesus. Uh, they're the ones that are uh, hypocrites and just like grumpy religious leaders who are self-righteous and power-hungry. Uh, Paul was one of those guys. Paul was a Pharisee, and not just any Pharisee, right? Verse 14, he was advancing beyond those his age. And so compared to the other Jews, compared to the other Pharisees, Paul was the head of his class. He was the most zealous out of all of them. And by his own admission, look at verse 13. He was intensely persecuting the church. He was trying to destroy it, it says. So in his mind... These Christians, these people running around talking about Jesus, were distorting the truth of the Jewish faith. They were preaching lies, this faith that he tried so hard to protect, the way of Judaism. And if you look in other parts of the New Testament, you can see how bad things really were with Paul. The book of Acts shows us this in several places. Acts chapter 8 verse 3 shows that Paul is hunting down men and women to drag them off to prison because they were following Jesus. Or later in chapter 26, Paul explains that actually when Christians would be arrested and put on trial, he would vote against them. He would vote for them to be put to death. Then he summarizes in Acts chapter 26 verse 9 where he says, I was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus. So to put it lightly, Paul was not on Team Jesus. But something changed. Here in our passage, Galatians chapter 1, Paul goes on to explain, if you look at verse 23, skip ahead a little bit, he said, word got out about this radical change in Paul's life. He says, they only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. The man who was persecuting us is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. So somehow, Paul went from persecutor to preacher. From adversary to advocate. And he didn't just say to the Christians, okay, fine, let's have a truce. Like, you guys go your own separate way. 
I'll go my separate way. I'll stop putting you in jail. I'll stop trying to kill you. Let's just agree to disagree and go our separate ways. No, he goes full speed in the other direction. He joins Team Jesus and he's all in. Like he buys the hoodie sweatshirt that says Team Jesus on it, right? He, he goes and changes his profile picture on Facebook and on Instagram and his little bio there says, I'm on Team Jesus, right? And he, he becomes one of the most significant voices in the history of the church, preaching and spreading the message about Jesus. And he'll even endure suffering and mistreatment and imprisonment and rejection and even death because he's following Jesus. So we have to ask, what in the world could bring about such a change from persecutor to preacher? Galatians chapter 1 gives us the answer. Verse 15 and 16, Paul says this, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, or was pleased to reveal his son to me. So what changed? He's saying, God called me by his grace. He had an encounter with God. More specifically, he had an encounter with the risen Jesus. And he's talking about this defining moment in his life that's actually seen in Acts chapter 9 in further detail. Paul was on his way to arrest some Christians in Acts chapter 9. And we read this, Acts 9 verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, he replied. Now, get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So, Paul here, going by Saul in the text we see, he was, same guy though, he was confronted and commissioned by the risen Jesus. And this wasn't just a a dream or some kind of trance. Other people were there with him. Jesus showed up alive speaking to Paul. And it was this encounter that changed his life forever because he realized Jesus is alive. The resurrection is true. He's here speaking to me. He is who he said he was. The resurrection is true. And that changed everything. Now, let's not be too quick to write off our friend Paul here. Because maybe you're listening and you're like, well, of course, he, he believed the resurrection. He had some vision of Jesus. Jesus showed up to him. He lived in the ancient world. He was a superstitious person. He was open to all kinds of, of mythical nonsense. But that's not the case. Like, remember who we're talking about here. This is Paul, Pharisee, devout Jew. He was not just some gullible stranger that these early Christians managed to, you know, hoodwink and get him on to team Jesus. He was so sure that Jesus was not the Messiah. Like, I don't think uh, I can overstate this. He was so sure that Jesus was was not who all these Christians said he was. Think about it. As a devout 
Jew, Paul had every reason to not believe in Jesus because every indicator in the life of Jesus so far in Paul's mind discredited Jesus. Jesus broke the Sabbath and didn't honor the Sabbath. That was a big deal for the Jews. Jesus ate with sinners. That was a big deal for devout Pharisees. Jesus attempted to reinterpret the Mosaic law. That was uh, a big deal for someone to try and do. And ultimately, Jesus died on a cross. This would be, in the Jewish mind, a sign of God's curse. And so there you go. That settles it. In Paul's mind, this guy got what he deserved. He was a fraud. He was a false teacher. He was leading people astray. Look at his death proves it. Paul had done his homework. And every answer pointed him to the fact that Jesus was not alive. Maybe you're tuning in like Paul. You're here this morning and you are so sure that the resurrection isn't true. You are so sure that this could not have happened. Jesus couldn't possibly be who he said he was. It makes no sense for you. Like in your paradigm, in how you look at the world, in what you even think is possible, the resurrection is nowhere near possible or real. Friends, Paul thought the same thing. And here in Galatians, he says, what changed everything for him was an encounter with Jesus where he was called by God's grace. You see that in verse 15? God called me by his grace. Think about that. His grace. Even though Paul was doing everything he could to oppose God, God was kind to him. And Paul doesn't sugarcoat things here, right? He's not sugarcoating his past. Like, sure, I had some rough edges. I had some rough years. But don't we all? I mean, nobody's perfect. No, he's like, I, I wanted to destroy the church. I was doing everything I could think of to oppose Jesus. But Paul's sin was no match for God's grace. Paul's sin was no match for God's grace. And this is a reminder for each of us that the invitation to follow Jesus uh, is, is not based on our performance. It's not based on the fact that we can behave and earn God's love or earn salvation because if it was based on our performance then Paul certainly would have no chance of getting into the kingdom but the call to follow Jesus as verse 15 shows us is based on God's grace which means it's a gift it's freely given something we don't deserve but that God offers to us if we would receive him and what transformed Paul's life here was God's grace in a personal encounter. You see that in the text? An encounter with the risen Jesus. This, this is not an invitation to just dead religion. This is not an invitation just to embrace some abstract set of beliefs about the world. This is not even an invitation to be more involved with going to church. This isn't primarily about being a part of a church or going to a church. We know how messy church can be and how messy Christians can be. So that's not what we're talking about this morning. This is primarily 
an invitation to know and be known by Jesus, who is alive. We can sort out the church stuff later, but let's start here. The risen Jesus inviting you to know him. What happens in our hearts is we, we need to, to read or hear the words of Jesus. Like he says in Matthew 11, where he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We need to hear his voice in Mark chapter 1, where he says, Repent and believe the good news. Or as he calls his disciples in the New Testament, he says simply, Follow me. Friends, you and I today need to, to hear those words and sense that that invitation is for us. The invitation to follow me. He's saying those very things to you and to me. Just like Paul, this personal encounter. I recently came across this quote from uh, Bono, who's you know lead singer of the legendary band U2. And he said this, it's really insightful. He said, Jesus went around saying he was the Messiah. That's, that's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So either, in my view, he was the Son of God, or he was nuts. And I find it hard to accept that whole millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. He said, I just... I don't believe that. Now, I wanted to share this quote from Bono for two reasons. First, uh, I just wanted to be able to say the word nutter in my sermon because that is a great word and it needs to be used more often. Thank you to the Brits for that. Uh, but the second reason I wanted to, to show that quote is because it makes a great point. Millions and millions of lives have felt personally touched, inspired, changed by this Jesus. Now, that's the claim of Christians, right? That, that we have had this encounter with Jesus. We follow him. We know him. He knows us. He has called out to me. He's spoken to me and invited me to know him. And it's hard to believe that some dead, crazy man would have that kind of lasting impact in the world. Now, again, I, I know that just because a lot of people believe something doesn't make it true. So I'm not saying that, hey, look, this settles everything. I'm just saying this should be taken into consideration as we weigh all the evidence about Jesus. <clears throat> Paul's life was transformed by an encounter with Jesus. Our lives today can be transformed by an encounter with with Jesus. That's the hope of the resurre resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus can give us hope today. And I just want to talk about two simple reasons that that is true. Two simple things that this changes for us. First, the resurrection powerfully reminds us that change and transformation is possible. Change is possible. Not through our own power, but through the power of God at work in us. Think about this. In the resurrection, we see God take his son Jesus, dead in the grave, 
and make him alive. God makes dead things alive. God heals things that are broken. God restores things that are lost. Friends, this is good news for us this morning. Again, especially if you're someone like me who's looking at your life and longing for change. Longing to be different, aware of your failures. Maybe you want to be a better dad. You want to be a better mom. You want to be a better friend. You want to be a better employee. You want to be a better uh, spouse. You want to be more the person that God wants you to be. In the resurrection there is hope because Jesus is alive again. And if he is alive and if we trust in him, he promises to give us his spirit to dwell within us. He promises to give us new hearts and his life and his power within us. And it's not that we would be perfect. It's not that we, once we put our trust in Jesus, well, there you have it. You've arrived and you're exactly the person that you are supposed to be. We're not finished product yet because as Christians, we're still growing. We're still learning. We're still needing to be shaped and sanctified more and more to look like Jesus. But we are talking about real change. Real change is possible. That, that God can take our despair and turn it to hope. That God can take our worry and he can turn it to peace. That God can take our grief and turn it to joy. That God can take our anger and turn it to forgiveness if we would ask him. So I invite you, we can ask Jesus, Lord, help me. I know that you are alive I know that in your resurrection power, you can change my heart. You can make me the person you want me to be. Help me grow. Help me change. And friends, if you think you're here this morning, you're somehow beyond God's grace, that you've sinned too much or gone too far again, look at Paul. He's a perfect example that none of us are too far gone or beyond God's grace. So friends, change is possible because Jesus is alive and he offers that same resurrection power, that resurrection life now to be in you. And the second way that the resurrection gives us hope today is that it removes the fear of death. Let's be honest, fear can be a fairly prominent emotion right now as we take a look at our world. We're afraid of an unknown future. We're afraid of our financial stability being ripped out from under us. We're afraid that we'll get sick, that someone we love will get sick. We're afraid of all that this means for our future. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us know people who are sick or who have, have died. At first, the whole coronavirus seemed like something that was pretty far away, pretty distant, uh, but now it's clearly impacted our daily lives. And it seems like each day it hits a little closer to home. And so we're all grappling how to deal with that, especially with the fear of death. But friends, the resurrection 
of Jesus shows us that death was conquered. Jesus was raised from the grave to new life. And so he promises that all who trust in him likewise will be made alive with him. So death is not the end of the story for the Christian. Death has been conquered. So we sing, oh, death, where is your sting? Because Jesus is alive and we can be made alive as well. And this gives us peace knowing that our eternity is secure. I saw this powerfully demonstrated earlier this year at a memorial service where Lois Evans, the, the wife of famous pastor Tony Evans, passed away and her son Jonathan spoke at her service. And he was sharing how he was wrestling with his mother's death. And in the time leading up to her death, that she was sick with cancer and he was praying and didn't know why God wasn't healing her, didn't know why God wasn't intervening, because he certainly was powerful enough to do so. He says he sensed God speak to him in that moment and he sensed this is what God wanted him to hear. He said these words, there were always only two answers to your prayers. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to live or she was going to live. Either she was going to be with family or she was going to be with family. Either she was going to be well taken care of or she was going to be well taken care of. He said, victory belongs to me because of what I've already done for you. And there, in that quote, you see the power of the resurrection, that the fear of death is gone. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we trust that even in death we have a future. We will have eternal life with God. We will have a family. We will be well taken care of. We will live, no matter what our future holds. We can face an uncertain future with confidence. So friends, if we are to respond to Jesus and the resurrection, first it will require a funeral. It will require a funeral for our own independence. A funeral for our own self-focused way of life. Because if Jesus is alive, it means he is who he said he was. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the King of the universe. And the only proper response then is to fully lay down our lives in service to him. I invite you, if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let today be that day where you experience personally God's grace as he invites you to trust in him for forgiveness of your sins and eternal life, and be filled now with a life of meaning and purpose and joy. I do want to encourage you uh, not just to close this computer and walk away as if nothing happened. I want to encourage you uh, take a next step. Simple next step is to fill out our connection card in the top corner here. Uh, let us know that you are here. We'd love to follow up with you and be in touch with you and help you as you explore what it means to follow Jesus. And also, if you're here this morning and you're not sure about all this stuff still, I would love to invite you to the Alpha course that we've been running. Uh, on the connection card, if you fill that out, there's a box you can check that says, Tell me more about Alpha. And we're running Alpha on Friday nights on Zoom. So right from the comfort of your own home, on your computer, Alpha is an opportunity to explore who Jesus is, to watch some really cool videos, and then we have discussion together. 
And it's a place to come and be yourself, bring your questions, bring your objections, and we'd love to see you there. So we get you more information if you fill out that connection card. Friends, I'm so glad you joined in with us this morning. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, then we're going to sing a last song, and then again we'll have the after party on Zoom with a link here in the chat if you'd like to join us. Jesus, we look to you and we praise you as our risen Savior. We thank you for the gracious call that you've given to us. You've invited us to trust you, to follow you, to find life in you. We thank you for the hope that that brings, that you can transform our hearts, that you give us eternal life so we do not have to fear death. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen.